Greetings, adventure. Welcome to the D20 Academy podcast. I'm Shiloh. Gabriel. And this is episode 37, Player Types. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, In this one, we're going to be going over various tabletop role-playing game player types, all right? If you're a player, this should help you figure out what kind of, you know, the kind of way you play. Uh, It should help you, you know, improve on the strengths that you have and also to be able to kind of recognize uh, the things that you're not so good at or some of the things that you're lacking and, you know, being able to kind of improve that. If you're a GM, this should help you understand your players a bit more and be able to alter your gameplay to fit their play styles once you understand how they think and play. Yeah, so this this can be really good for players or GMs, um, just being able to recognize and understand different player types and how they work. There's information in here for both parties. It can be a great uh, episode for anyone. Yeah. Um, if you want to keep up to date with, with the things we're doing here, you have some suggestions, anything at all, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at d20 underscore academy. And uh, tell the podcast to your friends and the people you play D&D with or, or other storytellers you know. Uh, point them towards the podcast. It means a lot to us when we can help out other people. Um, anything else to say before we get started? I think that's it. Let's get in. All right. Okay. So, there's kind of a lot. Yeah. Here. But um, just some brief overview things before we get into the different mm-hmm. player types. Um, a lot of this information is going to be presented in a way like... All of these character types, you know, they have positives and negatives to yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And it's your job to work with your players and your player's job to figure out your own strengths and weaknesses and try and improve. Yeah. That's the, your ability. Yeah. I, I really don't, you know, we really don't want this to become something that like, you know, you adopt so you can like hit on other players or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like an excuse either like, hey, this is the kind of player I am. So therefore I'm yeah. like, that, that's not what this is about. This is not to make your game worse or, or to add more conflict within the group or anything. This is to help you guys, you know, this is just, just a reason this should be a resource to be able to help you recognize yeah. and, and improve. And one thing I, w- I was thinking about after we were kind of, we kind of outlined this episode was, um, you know, not everyone is usually like a hundred percent one no. of these. You're probably Most a combination of a couple of, yeah. Yeah. And also, even though you, it's easy, it's much easier to think of things just in a negative light, just in general. Um, like, you know, just just when you're when you're going through these different, you know, when we're going going through these these various player types, it's much easier to figure out what their weaknesses are, rather than like some of their strength and stuff. Mm-hmm. But honestly, you know, everyone in our play group, there are various combinations of these and stuff. And I think everyone in play group is great. I think they're all great players and and stuff, um, except for you, obviously. No, of course, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, you know, and I think they're all great players, and they're all different combinations of these. And there are definitely like positive mm-hmm. things about them. So it is much easier to just focus on the negative, yeah. but I think it's also important to focus on the It's positive. just important to keep an open mind when you're listening to this, and if you hear something like, thing like, oh, this describes me, don't say, okay, I have to be exactly this now. Yeah, th- this is just, just mm-hmm. to help you. This isn't to, yeah. to box you in. It's a tool to figure out a little bit more about how you play. Exactly. All right, anything else to say before we get started with this fat list of player types? Um... This is our opinion. Don't be mad at us. Yeah, yeah. This, this is, yeah. This is kind of a just, our, just, a, just our opinion. Um, there are some people kind of categorize player types differently, mm-hmm. or they have kind of different terms for them. But I think we've kind of hit all the bases. We we looked at other people's lists bef- before this, and you know, we've kind of we've kind of amassed. Yeah. Uh, and kind of put our, list. Yeah, and, and put our own kind of opinion on. It. I think this generalizes basically everything. But uh, 
Okay, what's the first one up on the docket? Alright, so the first one is the Power Gamer slash Optimizer. Slash Min Maxer. <laughs> uh, cares mostly about being the most powerful that they can be in the system that they are playing and feeling useful in combat. Yeah, I think me and you are Power Gamers a little bit. Yeah, to an extent. To an extent. Mm -hmm. um, because both of us care, uh, in D&D &D at least, mm. both of us care a lot about D&D. &D. We've, we've, we've played hundreds of hours of the game. Mm. We've also done tons of research on the game and stuff. Yeah. We know the rules by heart and everything. Um, and because of that, it's just kind of inevitable that you're going to try to build, you know, a, a powerful character. You, you know mm. when things go well together yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, I think we both have that... It's a common tendency, I think. Yeah. Once you get a handle on a system, to be like, okay, like, I want to be powerful. Yeah, and this is not a bad thing. We'll, we'll get into more details. Mm -hmm. um, the Power Gamer almost always picks the most optimized build possible, and also researchers. Yeah. When they're building a character or, or advancing in level, they research what's the best thing they can do. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Fits. That's kind of part of the player type. Uh, things that power gamers typically don't like are problems that they can't solve with a build that they have made, uh, you know, things that are outside of the scope of their yeah. strengths, and losing and not feeling like they're getting rewarded. Yeah. Um, a, a lot about, you know, being a power gamer and stuff, once again, this, this is kind of a generalized thing, not, yes. not everyone is like super narrow into one of these usually, but... Not getting rewarded, I think, is kind of is kind of a big one. I think it ties um, into the fact of, like, if you're a power gamer, you kind of, like, want to feel powerful at times. Yeah, 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 you, you, you want to feel powerful. And that's when there the are thing. moments where you feel like you're not useful yeah. at all. Yeah, so when you're not feeling useful, that can be a little rough for you. Um, and, and just losing, you know, you've built the, the thing that you think is good, mm. you've perfected your body, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you still lost. And then that's, you know... Always not super super fun for a uh, uh, power gamer and optimizer, mm. um, but they, there's definitely some some good things about power gamers. They are usually engaged and focused, especially during combat, um, and they're also willing to do out of session work. Mm -hmm. They will they will research. They will they will build a character, uh, and care about their character, and not yeah. just come for the session, forget about it for the rest of the week, which that's good, mm. good good for a player to have those tendencies. But you know the possible weaknesses of a power gamer is that they can bring unbalance to the, to the party and to the force, uh, and they can cause other players to feel a little bit useless, you know? Mm -hmm. There's always the danger when you're trying to make a powerful character of overshadowing one of the other characters in the yeah. party. Yeah. So you want to make sure, if you're trying to be an optimizer, a power gamer, make sure that you aren't covering over someone, uh, someone other's bait. Yeah, 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 their niche. Yeah, their for niche. sure. Um, the thing about unbalancing the party, though, a little bit inevitable. Um, mm -hmm. Unless your group is made of people who are all a little bit power yeah. gamer, you know, and and this it's kind of a, it's kind of a hard thing to fix because you're not you don't you don't want to be like hey don't build the most optimized thing like that's a weird thing because like yeah. now they have to go out of their way to like not do the best thing that's that's a weird thing to say and it's it's hard to force other players to just like you know who are probably some of the other types that we'll talk about mm -hmm. who don't care as much about getting into the research and get caring about the rules and building the most optimized builds and it can unbalance the party hopefully. This is fine with everyone. Yeah. Other people don't care too much. It's about not it. always a problem that the, yeah. that the party's unbalanced. Other people don't care too much about being super powerful or being useful in combat or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely when the optimizer uh, can build, you know, make their build in a way that overshadows another character, takes over their niche, their specialties, mm. 
to make them feel useless. Yeah. yeah, I think that can definitely cause problems. Um, so how how do you kind of deal with a power gamer as like a GM or just someone else, just as as a group? Um, as a GM, I think posing problems they can't solve with their optimized build is is pretty good. I know that's like one of the things they don't like, and you don't want to do it all the time mm-hmm. because that irritates them. They put time and energy into building something, and if you keep going out of your way to make it so that they can't use the things they've worked hard on, that's irritating for them. That's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, it, it's not good as a GM to be trying to trick and, like, beat these, you know, these various different, like, um, player types we're talking about. To, like, figure out a way to, like, beat them and hit at their weaknesses and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't... That, that That's not what this is about. But doing that can help balance the party out a bit more. Mm-hmm. It can give other characters time to shine where they might not necessarily have the opportunity to. Mm-hmm. So it's all about balancing when you let them have their moment and when you... Say, like, hey, like, this is, is an encounter that you probably can't solve using this thing. Yeah. Let this other character. Yeah, creating situations where the other party members can shine and, mm-hmm. and go in, like, their niche. Also great. Um, but, yeah, letting the power gamer feel awesome and useful every yeah. once in a while. Doesn't have to be every combat and stuff. And for me as a GM, um, we, had a, we had a player in our last campaign who was very much large percentage power gamer optimizer. Um, and it irritated me a little bit as a DM when I was in combat and stuff, they were so good and it was like very hard to like kill them and stuff, you know, designing an encounter that could be challenging to them and stuff, but also not wipe out the other party members who weren't as strong and stuff. And it irritated me a lot as a player. And that was something that I needed to take a different mindset on Mm. as a DM. I needed to change my mindset of like this person or, you know, they've built the best build or whatever. I, I need to try to fight back against them and, and really f- be like, hey, you know, you can't be this good or whatever. I need to change my mindset to be like, this is just how they play. This is this this is the same for all these player types, yeah. really. This is just how their minds work and stuff. It's not their fault. Um, if they're, you know, not going out of their way to, like, m- irritate you uh, as a DM, that of that's course. bad. But, you know, be able to change their mindset and, like, just allow them to be feel awesome and be useful every once in a while. I think that's important. All right, moving on. Uh, next one is the casual. You know, no? You skipped one. I did skip one. The role player slash actor. Yeah. <laughs> they care mostly about creating and playing interesting and realistic characters with accents, performing, getting into character, yeah. doing all those sorts of things. Yeah. Both of us fall into this category as well. Mm. Um, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty heavily this mm-hmm. uh, a large percentage of me is is this for sure all of your characters have accents you yeah love. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I love accents. and like as a dm you know i i live through my npcs you know <laughs> as performance curiously yeah um i am you know an actor i love theater and film um and stuff so that's those are the tendencies those are the things mm-hmm. that i love uh, i i love the fact like role playing is my favorite things in in dnd or you know just in role playing games um Accents, performing, showing off my cool character and my cool accent and all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, kind of the same for me. Like, if I'm playing a character, I want to, like, not just experience how they are in combat, but experience how they are in like, the situations. So I want to yeah. get into it and have fun as that character. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So you get into the acting and role-playing of it. Uh-huh. So they almost always write a long-ass backstory, um, and then they... Oh, oh, let me know about this, too. Yes. you. This is not true, but most of these people who fall into this category write... Big backstories. Mm. Because they care about their character, and, you know, they care about their personality and all that kind of stuff. And that all stems from a backstory, so they will take time to write a backstory. Sometimes too long. 
like <laughs> all the times I've been a PC, I've written a long backstory. Yeah. Intricate detailed backstory. Um because, you know, that's that's why you know, character a lot of what characters and their motivations are like kind of stuff stem from a backstory. Um and they build their stats around the character concepts. So this is the opposite mm. of a power gamer. Power gamers are like, how do I be strong? Let me build my character mm. around my stats, or, you know, around these whatever features and stuff. Um, you know, so where an actor's more like, okay, I think for this character it would make sense for him to have, you know, fourteen in charisma, even though that might not be optimized for my build for my class. Yeah, yeah. but it's just it's what the character would. Yeah, have. yeah. It's it's the like usually it mirrors their ability scores totally mm. mirror their character. Mm. Um, if they have low charisma, they're, they're socially awkward. If they have low wisdom, they're bad at decision-making and stuff. Um, they typically love, not like love, but they're totally okay with low ability scores. They don't care a ton about having high ability scores in the aspects that they, their class needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, so this also means like they usually don't choose a race because of the class. Yeah. That gives ability boost to their class. They choose a race because it's a cool race and fits the character they want to play. Mm-hmm. They want to play this race, and they also want to play this class because it fits this cool character idea they have. Um, so they build their stats around the character concept. Right. Things they don't like. Uh, like long, drawn-out encounters that they can't act and perform in. Yeah. Where they don't get to characterize much. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting the rules of the game before the story. That's an interesting one. Where yeah. you can kind of come, come in contact with, come in conflict with the other character types that we're talking about here. Yeah, for sure. It's just about, like, they don't like it when they feel like the rules of the game are getting in the way of, oh, but I, this is what the character should do at this point. Like, this is what's, like, why, why are the rules, the nitty-gritty of the rules stopping the character from doing what it should be doing? Mm-hmm. Um... So, the first one, like, they don't like long general encounters, they can't perform and stuff. You know, for me, because I'm pretty, you know, like I said, majority of, of me is role player actor, but I'm also a little bit power gamer. So, I actually do kind of, I do enjoy combat and, and being cool in combat and stuff. But, it is true. When I can't, like, quip and stuff during mm-hmm. the combat and, like, talk to the enemy or whatever, that's a little irritating. Um, oh, yeah, and this last one is pretty... Pretty important. Having to act off of bland, uninteresting characters. Will they be PCs or NPCs? Yeah. This is this is a rough one for, for an actor. Mm-hmm. When they can't act off of other interesting characters. Yeah, it's the same as in theater. Yeah. If like the person that you're acting with isn't interesting, they aren't like doing their part or trying their best. It's just yeah. really hard to Yeah. Yeah. And we could do a whole episode of like <laughs> acting and theater stuff or mm-hmm. whatever, but Yes, when you ha- the, the person you're acting off of, um, when they're when they're bland, uninteresting, and stuff, that can really hamper your performance. Um, and it's definitely more rough when it's a PC. Mm. Actually, I think it's more rough when it's NPC, because that means the DM is, you know, like all the NPCs you encounter, you can't have. Anyway, all right. Strengths of a role player slash actor: they're often very committed to role playing and being very engaged engaged in the world and in their character. They're all about Playing the part, knowing what they're doing, yeah. knowing who the character is, really great characteristics. Uh, yes, if you're a, a, a GM, you want one of these in your group. Like, mm-hmm. Every time, these are these are treasures. Um, as I was writing on one form, it was like, <laughs> it's very hard to find these people because, like, if they are, you know, like, like too nerdy, like not enough role player or whatever, then 
they play, but if they, like, are actually good actors and stuff, then they're not actually playing, like, <laughs> D&D. Um, but these are, this, is a, this is a great archetype for a player. They are usually really engaged in the story in the world. They spend time. They care about uh, writing a backstory. They care about your, your, your story. Um, off, uh, yeah, so they're, they're cool. But not all the time. Um, some of their weaknesses is they often don't care enough about the exact rules of the game. I think a great example of this might be like Marisha Ray from Critical Rules. What I was thinking of when we were writing the outline for this. Mm. Um, as a voice actor, she's very involved in her character. Yeah. She role plays great, really great well. Great actress. Super consistent characters. Mm. Yeah. Super consistent character. But I think, and you can see this as you're listening to the show, like throughout the season, she can be like, Always asking for rules references, just because it's the not. Yeah, yeah she's yeah she's she's definitely it. not in 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 the rules. Um, yes, I think that's that's a great example. And that isn't always a big problem or yeah. big weakness, but it can be annoying. Can get on other people's nerves. Yeah, and and even even their nerves. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know sometimes it, it does irritate her when she she just tries something and nothing happens and it's not yeah. fulfilling mm-hmm. because she just isn't super Didn't familiar pay with the rules yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. But also, like, as a DM, you don't just want to, like, give them passes and stuff as well. So yeah. it's kind of a hard situation. Uh, they also might hold back the party in combat because of their build. You know, of like, oh, I think my character is really good in social encounters, but you're a fighter and you didn't put anything into Yeah, you're not super optimized in, in your build. Strength. Yeah. Again, not always a problem. Not Yeah, not always a problem. But definitely, like, if you, like... You know, you're, you're, you're doing character creation, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, what are the other people's classes and stuff? So you can, like, choose your character, you're one of those people who likes that, and you based it off knowing this person's going to be a barbarian, and they're not that good of a barbarian, mm-hmm. it kind of throws off everything. Yeah. Um, so for some people, that can be kind of irritating. And for a certain archetype we're going to get into, cough, mm-hmm. cough, tactician, this can be irritating. Yeah. When not everyone in the party is, you know, super, super good built. Mm-hmm. Alright, how to deal with them as a GM or DM? I think the first one is really obvious. Uh, to give them situations where they can work off interesting NPCs and perform every once in a while. Yeah. Give the actor Chances places to act. To act. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same with the Pokemon. These things, let them do what they want. Mm-hmm. It, it's not your job to hold them back or punish them or anything. Yeah. If, they, if this is what they like, let them do it. Give them, give them cool situations, interesting NPCs. Let them perform. Um... Yeah, also to work their interesting character and their backstory into the campaign. Mm. They spent time on these things. Um, they're going to care about this. Um, so, so, so do it. It's most fun when you're going to be taking the, you know, the, the people who care about it and who have written good backstories and their characters and working that into the story. They're going to care about that and be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And it's going to work. Doing this with other kinds of archetypes won't always work so well. As I learned <laughs> in, the, in the first campaign, um, one of the players was, it's not a sin... They just were not this kind of uh, player. They were a different kind of player. Mm. Um, kind of actually, the one we're gonna kind of talk about next, or the one after that. I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, but I tried really hard to work their backstory and stuff into it, and it just wasn't working because they, you know, they didn't they didn't care yeah, that much what about they cared that. About. Yeah, and so it didn't didn't work. It just didn't work. Mm. Whereas like for you, you're a pretty high percentage of role player actor. When I worked your backstory and stuff, it worked mm. because you had spent time on it and you cared about it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like the strength of what we're doing right now. We're, with all these different character and player types, we're just outlining, like, what can you do as a GM to 
help this character, this player, enjoy the time as they're playing. And as a player, what can I be working on? What are my strengths and weaknesses? Yeah. I think you just need to figure out what they are and what you can do to help each yeah, other out. exactly. So if, if you're a role player, actor, if that's the archetype you fit into as a player, keep in mind, some mm. people may be a little irritated. If, like, maybe try to spend more time on your build. Mm-hmm. Try and spend more time on on making sure that you're you know you're not holding the party back or anything. Um, you know you just want to be conscious of that because um, you know the reason we even have to do this episode, the, the reason this is important is because tabletop role playing games are a collaborative thing. Yeah, you you're you're telling a story as a team, right? And so you need to be able to have grace and have mutual respect for one another. You need to sometimes make sacrifices on your end to let other people get you know to please other people. That is kind of a big thing for a GM, you know, mm-hmm. being able to make some changes and, and, and to sacrifice some things, sacrifice some of your fun to let the other people have fun because you're a team. You're in this together. Everyone should be enjoying themselves. All right. So the next two we're going to talk about are very similar mm-hmm. with some slight differences. So firstly, the casual the person who cares not necessarily about the game as much or what exactly the game it is. More just, they're there to have a good time with friends, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're there they're to have fun. Out. Yeah. Uh, we have someone in, in our main running campaign who, who, mm-hmm. is, who fits into this category. Um, they're great. I, I think casual players are, are great because they're almost always enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. They're, they're having fun most of the time. Um, they're there. They care about being with their friends. They like the game. That's why they're playing and stuff. Um, yeah. Go ahead, no, go ahead. Uh, casuals, though, typically don't like having to get up, caught up in the rules, having to do a lot of homework just to be able to understand the game. Mm-hmm. Things like that, and having to have to have roles, role-playing deep, dark, interesting characters that need to have, be super specific and or whatever. And developed and stuff. Yeah. Not the cup It's of not necessarily what they want to do. Yeah. Um... But once again, their strengths, they're, they're easy to please. Yep. As, as a DM, <laughs> it's great to have a casual or more in your party group because they're just easy to please. They're fun to be around. Mm. Um, they're, not ju- usually, like, they're not judging you. They probably think you're a great GM. They probably think you're doing fine. Um, and that's honestly, that's kind of important to have as a mm. GM. Having people who you know are enjoying themselves and stuff because you're spending lots of time working on this is, is a good thing. And it helps you know, your morale as a GM. The weaknesses, though, they typically last, lack like deep investment in the world and their character. You know, if you're just a, a player who, I'm just here to have some fun with friends, uh, your lack of investment can like hold back the party and is that like, oh, I'm not on the same level of mm-hmm. investment as the other players. And it can just be a little bit disappointing for the rest of the group if yeah. everyone else is super invested in the world and their characters. Mm-hmm. And their personalities and backstories and all that. And then you have this one person who's just having fun and has a backstory that's two sentences long. It's like, I woke up and went to the grocery store and joined a band of people. You know? <laughs> that's a good example. <laughs> Even so, there's not much you can do about casual players, in my opinion. Um, as a GM, like how to deal with them? Mm-hmm. Nothing, really. Let them enjoy themselves. Let them be who they are. This is not a crash course in trying to manipulate your friends and change, <laughs> change their personality types. Not at all. No. Um, listen, casuals are usually not detrimental to your game. No. It's rare that they will be detrimental to, to, to your game and to the fun of other people. 
yes, it is true that sometimes they can hold them back because of the, their lack of investment stuff. But once again, the other players and you as a GM or whatever, you just have to be okay with that. You have to be able to make um, sacrifices and understand this person just isn't as invested as we are and stuff. And be okay with that. Yeah. As a GM, spend your energy and stuff with the story on the the people who, who are caring. Mm-hmm. Um, fill them in that way. You don't need to spend your time trying to get the casual little role playing and stuff um, if, if they don't want to. Yeah. Don't try and force a player to play in a way that you want them to. At all. You yeah. know, I read this great example when I was doing research for this episode, which was, you know, it's actually honestly a miracle that most gaming groups even, like, can stay together and stuff and can enjoy themselves because, you know, you can't just grab a group of random people and then, you know, who play instruments. They won't just make a good band. Mm-hmm. They have different skills and personalities and stuff that clash and stuff. Same with the gaming group. You're spending hours together in, you know, a, a location, kind of closed out from the rest of the world and stuff. It, you know, personalities and stuff will inevitably like, kind of clash and stuff. Finding, like, a super solid playgroup who works super well together, that's not... Yeah. That's, yeah, that doesn't... That only happens in Critical Role. That's not, <laughs> you know, likely. Which is why you just, you know, everyone just has to be okay with understanding the other people's player types and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important. All right. The next one is the lurker. Or is, like, I was kind of thinking, like, kind of like the passive person. Yeah, the passive. The audience member. Mm-hmm. The person who cares mostly about just experiencing the game, experiencing the story and world, mm-hmm. and doesn't necessarily feel that they need to get super involved and be super active in it. Mm-hmm. They almost always stay quiet, out of the way, just take the turns in combat quickly, yep. move move along. Um, yeah, the things they don't like are the spotlight on them and having to roleplay. Yeah, I think it's like... Uh... Tied into a lot of people's different, you know, comfort zones, yeah, comfort for levels. Sure. If they're the character that just likes to experience it, it's very passive. Then having the spotlight on them and f- making it feel like they have to do something, yeah, to be in the spotlight, it can just be really uncomfortable yeah. for. Them. And this harkens back to what we're about to talk about, which is like how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Don't. Put them in an uncomfortable position. Don't force them to role play or take center stage. That's mean. Um, <laughs> sometimes it is hard, you know, as a GM, if, you know, if there's kind of a shy person or whatever in the group or whatever, and you're trying to, you know, get them to loosen up and stuff, and, you know, not because, like, you want to embarrass them or whatever, but because you care about them and you want them to be getting into the game and role playing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even so, it's better to just kind of gently encourage them through various ways to engage in party discussions be more active. Don't 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 try to put them in the spotlight and stuff. That's that's just they're just going to try to find ways to slip out of it mm-hmm. and stuff. It's just not. It's just gonna create conflict within the. the group. Yeah, it's just not a good time. Their strengths are they're often very invested in the game and care about the story. It's like an avid reader yes. of the series. You know, they're invested. They're listening. They're paying attention. Yeah, they're not going to. Go write fan fictions or anything, <laughs> um, but you know they're there. They're mm-hmm. listening. They're interested, but they don't care. They don't. They're not trying to take initiative. They're not yeah. trying to do. You know, take the spotlight. Um, but their weaknesses, of course, are they aren't really active in the game. Yeah. They they don't take initiative. Um, they just let themselves kind of be swept by the world. Um, yes, a, a passive is a great word for this. If you're a writer, if you're a storyteller, you don't want passive characters. <laughs> uh, well, okay, passive characters are fine. You want passive protagonists. 
You don't want a protagonist who is just swept up by the plot and just the plot leads them everywhere. Um, they need to be able to have agency, motivation, initiative, proactivity um, to, to lead the story. That makes a good protagonist, a mm. good character. That being said, don't try and force those attributes onto the player who is passive. Yes. This, this is a, there's a difference mm. between creating a fictional character for your story, right, which is a different vessel of storytelling, mm. than a literal person who is playing a character um, as a passive character. You don't, don't, don't try to, you know, force him into that kind of thing. All right. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about is the rules lawyer slash mm. rules purist. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a rough one. Bit of a doozy. Uh, these are the people who care about following the written rules to a T. You know, they know the rules, they research, they're, they're going to be the ones who point out, oh, that's wrong, because if you look on page 273 of the Dungeons <laughs> and Masters Guide, you'll find out that... that... Yeah. Uh, and we're going to make a little bit of a distinction here between rules lawyers and purists. Yeah. Lawyers are the ones who are going to find ways to exploit the rules in their favor. Yeah. They're the ones who are going to research, like, they know the rules, and they're going to find out a way to, like, oh, I can get around this using this, 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 yeah. this, this, which is in the rules. Yeah, that's why they're called lawyers. Meanwhile, the purists <laughs> are the ones who do the research, care about the rules, know the rules, but aren't necessarily trying to work it all yeah, in yeah. Their favor. They, they just they just want they're just trying to make sure yep. that everyone's following the rules. Make sure everyone's following the rules to a day. <laughs> uh, what, is this as a percentage of you rules lawyer at all? Do you think? I believe it is for me. Um, I'm not necessarily going to say that I am because I wouldn't say you super are. I'm more about. I, I like finding ways that I can exploit the rules and all that, but I'm sure. not necessarily going to play a character. Yeah, that yeah, does yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just something that I find enjoyable. It's more of a power gamer attribute, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I am a tried and true game master. That's where I fit in. That's where I feel at home. That's what my, you know, talent and skill set is kind of geared towards. Um, so, I've done tons of game mastering. I've not done, been a player a lot. Um... So it's good that you can actually kind of get the, the, both sides of the coin here because I can explain, you know, these different player types from what I see as a GM. And then you have actually, you know, you are a yeah. player, so you understand these in that regard. Um, when I have been a player, sometimes it's been very hard for me to, you know, for DMs who don't care as much about the rules. Mm. They're, they're GMs who play things more loosely. And for someone, a DM, part of your job is, is to know the rules. And I definitely, for... D&D 5th edition, know the rules. I, I've memorized them. I know I know them. Um, it allows me to run my game so much more you know, smoother. But as a player, sometimes it's a little rough for me not to be able to point things out and stuff and, and be an a-hole about it. Um, yeah. Which kind of ties in the strengths and weaknesses of the rules, lawyers and purists right there. You know, they know about the game, the laws of the world that they're playing in. They're very knowledgeable about it. Yeah. But they can also get in the way that they get, they get urged to, you know, Debate the DM yeah. and debate the players like, oh, that's not exactly what the rules say. If you look here, 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 it can just start interfering with the flow of the game, flow of the story, and flow of combat. Mm -hmm. uh, this though, okay, it's hard. There, there's a, there, like I said, there's a small percentage of me that is rules lawyer, uh, rules purist. I, I should say. Um, I, I was in a game. This was a long time ago, and and the the DM, uh, we were playing D and D, and the DM was just they didn't. They weren't, no, they were new DM and stuff. 
they, they cared a lot about like their stories and the campaign they were building, but just were not on the rules. They weren't really running combat correctly and stuff. And um, it was really hard for me to not like try to get the kind of track and stuff. And it felt like I don't even think they were really doing all the right rolls and stuff and making like attacks and damage and stuff up. And that irritated me because I was like, hey. There's a reason why those things There's exist. a reason why they exist. It, it takes agency and, and, and stuff behind away from us when it's kind of loose and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. the rules are there to facilitate things. So as a GM, that's an important thing. To be able to like know the rules and stuff. And, yes. and not be fudging that kind of stuff up. Because it really irritates these kinds of people. Um, so as a GM, that's one of your, you know, that's a job you kind of have. Yeah. Uh, ways to deal, ways to deal with them. Uh, let them help you. Aims. It's okay to have things yep. pointed out to you, like, oh, I did mess up on that rule there. Thank you for reminding me. Yep. It's just to take that in stride and go with it and fix your mistakes. It's okay to have mistakes, and it's okay to have them yeah. pointed out yeah. to you. Not all GMs, no GMs, ha- uh, you know, are specialized in different aspects of of the mm. job, right? Some are really good at memorizing the rules and stuff. Some are really good at writing good NPCs and stories and whatever. Um, it's okay to have another person who knows the rules a lot and will remind you when you break them. Yeah. That being said, if it is becoming a distraction or a disruption within the party, it's okay to take them aside privately and talk about it like, hey, how can we reach an accord here? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do and what can we do together Yeah. so this isn't a problem? Yeah, for sure. Just, Just, you know, making sure that their rules lawyering is not sucking the fun out of the group and yeah. you know getting into debates and stuff that's that that's not a that's not a good thing that that should happen okay the realist what's the realist gabe they're the people who care about playing a knight with historical <laughs> realistic armor and will be like the one like wait but that's not realistic that's not what a broadsword does uh, yeah uh, they're the people who care about making a realistic character with understandable, realistic motivations and prefer real-life combat to rolling dice. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> 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 It's like, roll initiative, and he just stands up and takes his sword out. Yep, try right, over combat. <laughs> Alright, all right, DM, stand up. We're gonna do this like real men. Always ask for trial by combat. I didn't see you put that in the outline. That's funny. Um, yeah, people who, you know, care about realists. Let me tell you. There are good tabletop role-playing games for people like this. Yep. D&D? There are war games. D&D? Not good for someone like this. If you are high percent of a realist, don't play D&D. Um, and just like fantasy and sci-fi role-playing games in general. It, it will, you will, you will despise it. Yes, because it's not realistic. That's the mm. point. It's fantasy. And definitely D&D, which is just looser and just more chill. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, uh, you know, being a realist with that kind of stuff. One thing they don't like is they don't like the rule of cool. They mm. don't like when things, when, when something cool trumps. Yeah. Now, okay, distinction here. The rules lawyer also doesn't like the rule of cool. But that's because it breaks the actual the, the, laws. The rules. The realist doesn't like it because realistically, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That being said, I think there's a different type of realist where it could be like, what is realistic for this world? And that is entirely different from this in that it's just a character, that, a player that wants to 
keep consistent with the world. Yeah, that that that, that that's great. Mm. Um, you know, one of their strengths here is they care about details. Yep. they're they're paying attention, um, but just hopefully they're not paying attention to call. Hey, that doesn't that's not realistic. That quickly ruins the fun mm. for lots of people. Weaknesses. Weaknesses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have fun in these outlines. Yeah, it's just like, go ahead and read it out. Uh, they care more about following Newton's third law of thermodynamics and letting the wizard do some cool crap. Yeah. That's kind of a good way to summarize it, I think. Mm-hmm. They're like, how? Sulfur and bat poop doesn't make a fireball. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's, that's a little rough. Um, <laughs> I have here how to deal with them. Tell them to sometimes shut the hell up and let everyone enjoy themselves. Um, but no, actually, you know, in, that is not, that's kind of true, but you don't want to do it in that way. You want to yeah. kind of bring them to the side and stuff. Of course. You don't want to embarrass them or anything. Um, but to build realistic and plausible scenarios for them to solve every once in a while in a realistic manner that mm-hmm. makes sense and it's logical, they love that. That's what, that's what they live for. Mm-hmm. Do, do that for them. Yeah. Um, get good enough, <laughs> get good enough to defeat them when they ask for childlike combat. If all else fails, just like just work out a bit. Like when they ask, like, "Hey, I'm ready. All right, let's be realistic, dude." <laughs> You're like, "I've been dueling with a real master. Uh, I, I've I've learned." Okay, cool. Realist. Um, shouldn't be too much of a problem unless they consistently are like, "That's not realistic stuff." Yeah. Yeah. It basically is like there's a threshold when it's like, don't play D and D. Play another <laughs> role playing in the you know gritty zombie survival or whatever that cares about being realistic. That's where you fit. Yeah. You don't fit in loose D and D fifth edition land, um, where it's about being awesome and feeling cool. Yeah. Oh, this next one. There's a lot of these in the world. Yeah, the tacticians slash war gamers, cousins of the realist. Yeah, cousins of the realist. Also, <laughs> I should say, note here, D&D came from a war game. Yeah. D&D is descended from a war game. Um, but here's the thing. D&D is not a war game. Not anymore. Uh, <laughs> well, and, 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 and when I say D&D, it is really the father of all tabletop role-playing games. So really all tabletop role-playing games do essentially come from war gaming. Um, and there's a reason it's not. It's a different game. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of game. Uh, it's not about the multitudes of troops and the tactics and stuff all the time. It's about the singular troop inside those those regiments and their story and and that's what D is um now if you are the person who does care about detailed yeah. battle plans and strategy and doing the most tactical thing always in combat then you're probably a tactician slash yeah. war gamer and D 5 it can be a problem for you <laughs> but also this is fine there, yeah there, there there is not something inherently wrong with being this having detailed plans and strategy and stuff Great. doing tactical things awesome that can be really fulfilling. That can be mm-hmm. cool for the other players as well to be like, this player is doing really tactical things. They come up with tactical, strategically sound plans. Um, however, you know, most plans don't. And in, in, in <laughs> playing games go according to plan. But, um, yeah, these are the people who talk to the other players and say, like, okay, let's make a plan. You go here, you're here, you're here, you're here. Yeah. You do this, you do this, do this. Do the optimized thing. We make a strategy, a plan, and follow it. Yeah, this, it becomes a problem mm-hmm. when they take control of the mm-hmm. party. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, you know, there's a, there's a break in the story and stuff where they're supposed to be planning their next moves or whatever. And, like, you know, this is, like, like the tactical things or whatever. Fine. That's your place. Mm. That's fine. When you're in battle and you're picking up other people's minis and moving around, yeah. no. That, that becomes problematic for sure. 
Yeah. When you're making a fuss, when like other players are doing things that aren't necessarily strategic, but it's what they should be doing, what their character should be doing, yeah. and if you're trying to bring that up and make it a problem, then it yeah. becomes a disruption. But, but once again, you know, you can't totally blame the tactician for this. This is how their mm. mind works and stuff. Um, as other people, you need to understand that these people, they just don't understand why you would do something for story or character's sake and not for tactical, logical sake. These people care about winning. A lot of these people think about role-playing games as a versus the DM kind of scenario <laughs> as well. I think that's also pretty common yes. with these kinds yeah. of people. They're trying to outsmart their opponent, like kind of like a chess game, right? Not inherently bad, once again. But when they start controlling the whole party. Yeah. Uh, but you just have to understand, this is where they're coming from. Uh, you know, they just they just can't really understand why the other people would be doing things for story's sake and not for winning and like being <laughs> the bad guy. So they definitely are strong in that they take combat seriously and are very involved yeah, in it. For sure. Um, they're, they're also kind of related to the optimizer in, in that way. Mm. Um, they, they typically will also build pretty optimized characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to optimize the party, basically. Yeah, as well. Um, but they don't usually play consistent characters uh, because they, they do what is the most tactically mm-hmm. sound thing. Once again, they don't... They may not understand super well why you would do something for a story or character's sake. They always do, like, they try to do the things that are most logical. Um, also, I feel like these are the kind of gamers that are very prone to metagaming. Mm-hmm. And using yeah, knowledge oh, that they shouldn't have, yes, yes, the yes, character yes, shouldn't yes. have. Yes, for sure. And building strategies and things yeah. around it. Yeah. It can become a problem. Yeah, once again, that, that can become a problem. Um, so, how to deal with that. As a GM, once again... You want to build cool encounters that allow them to use their tactics to solve and beat. Mm-hmm. Set up a chess game, let let them <laughs> use their tactics, let it be a challenge, and, you know, they might win or win or lose, but that's what they want. That's what they're here for. Yep. Once again, you have to sometimes make sacrifices. Maybe that's not the kind of game you like. Maybe that's not the kind of encounters you like. But going out of your comfort zone, doing some of these things to be able to let this player have their fun, that's important. But to also set boundaries in that exactly. don't try and control the other players, don't try and tell them what to do, you can make your strategies, but you aren't playing those other characters. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get them to see it from everyone else's perspective as mm. well. Great. Okay. I feel like we're, we're staying on a pretty unbiased ground here. So far. So far. <laughs> uh, Alright, what's the next one? The next one is the storyteller. The Hollywood director of D&D. <laughs> yeah. The people who care about making an interesting story with twists and crazy moments and epic. Yeah. They care about the rule of cool. This is the people <laughs> with the opposite of the other ones. They care about the rule of cool. Um, so they always make character choices that, are spe- that specifically are meant to move the story along and for the story to develop. And so they may do things out of character mm-hmm. if it makes for a cinematic or epic moment. Yeah. Or act in a way that leads the story in a certain way. Yeah. Um, they're kind of related to the actor role player in the sense that they don't care as much about the rules and, and stuff, mm-hmm. not as much as the experience in the story and stuff. Yeah. What else can we say about those storytelling? Uh, just that they will make choices and make moves that are simply just to make something look cool. Yeah. These people who will, like, yeah. orchestrate things because they have this image in their head and they want to achieve that image. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, they, they don't like when things disrupt the story. Um, yeah. No matter what caused them, when things don't go how they wanted the story to go, mm-hmm. those are the things they don't like. When the roles don't work out in the way they want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 they're full on with like, hey, screw the dice. What, you know what I mean? They're <laughs> yeah. the, those kinds of people. That's why they like the rule of cool. Um, but, you know, they are good. They, they're, they're great because they encourage exciting moments. They mm. do care about the story. They are going to gear the story in a way that will be probably cool yeah, and, exciting, and epic. Yeah. yeah. But it can also lead them to play inconsistent characters because they're doing things with the characters that aren't necessarily uh, like in character, but yeah. it's something that moves the story along or something that causes something cool. Mm-hmm. One, one, one kind of uh, thing that stands out as a storyteller, like being a martyr, mm-hmm. is kind of a big thing. They will put themselves in danger yeah. or like kind mm-hmm. of do suicidal things because it would be an epic and cinematic moment for them to die and become a martyr. Yeah. Um, when, like, other people, like tech and stuff, heck no. They don't want to <laughs> die. That's not what they're about. Mm. Um, once again, the storytellers are fine. It's cool. They care about the story. But when it gets to a point where it disrupts the, the GM's plans mm-hmm. and, and their story, that can become problematic. Yeah. So I think the way to deal with them is, you know, have the moments where they can make those cinematic actions and instances and story beats put them into moments where they can do that where you have the cool epic things every once in a while but restrain them a bit reel them back in when they're doing things that are out of character and just to make something cool yeah Yeah. so so you know let them let them kind of steer the story sometimes as well um but you know you also want to make sure to set up those boundaries yeah okay next one the basher these are the people that care about the combat the fighting and killing things uh, yeah, this is, uh, related to the casual, sometimes. Mm. Um, they're just, they're there to kill things. They're there to whack, there, whack an orc. They have a stick, and they want to hit things. Yeah, <laughs> um, they almost always play classes that lets them kill the most things the best. Mm-hmm. They, they love, they're not super optimized in sense, like, you know, in that sense, but they're like, they're gonna play like a fighter, because it lets them whack the crap out of orcs <laughs> with swords. Mm-hmm. Um, they also try to solve lots of problems by murdering things. <laughs> yeah, they don't like it when they're forced to deal with encounters and moments where they can't kill it. They can't hit, if, yep. they, if they can't hit the problem with a stick, they don't really like that. <laughs> um, but, you know, they do care about combat. They do. And this is not an inherently bad thing, once again. Being a basher is not bad at all. Someone who just is there to kill stuff, loves killing stuff, loves combat... Great. Nothing wrong with that. That's the way they like to play. That's, those are the things that they enjoy. It's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But when they only care about the combat and are, you know, disconnected from the rest of the party when it comes to role playing and the story, mm-hmm. it be- can become a problem within the group. Yeah. Um. And I think we have, we have a note here as well that we should talk about. I think it fits right into where we are. Murder hobos. Mm-hmm. Um. When it becomes a problematic for, what what is a murder hobo for people who don't know? Murder hobo is when you're a basher and just continue going along the road of, I just want to kill stuff, so let me just kill everything. Everything. (laughs) They're the characters who walk into a town, are greeted with loving opening arms from the the town uh, mayor and all that, and they're like, ha, I kill him and take his spot. Yeah, I I kill everyone, loot the bodies. These are the, oh, Oh, the the looters. Loot the bodies. Um, (laughs) This is, uh, if you play Skyrim, these are the people mm-hmm. who hit the, kill the chicken. Yep. The people who walk into the town and kill the chicken just so everyone comes after them so they can kill everybody. 
Um, okay. Murder hobos are a problem. Yes. This is something you need to address as a GM. They will disrupt your game. They will disrupt, possibly destroy your game. Mm -hmm. you, unless everyone in the whole gaming group is a murder hobo. And they're just there for the thrill of just killing stuff. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Everyone's having fun. If everyone else is a different player type and stuff, and there's one person who's a murder hobo. Yeah. That's it. That's bad news. Um, and becomes an issue very quickly. Yeah, it becomes an issue very quickly. You want to like pull them aside and talk to them or whatever. If it isn't working, sometimes you're just going to have to tell them to find another group. Yep. Sometimes they just this is just not the group for them to fit into. It's too disruptive. Um, yes, maybe they're having fun, but they're ruining the fun of so many other people. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Um, that being said, if they are more on the light side or they do enjoy killing things, but they aren't going to go out of their way to kill every everything. single thing that their yeah, eyes yeah, come yeah, upon... Yeah. Then it, that's okay. Give them their yeah. moments where they can have fun and hit the orc with the stick. Yeah, give them their okay. euphoric sensation. Just give them a pack of orcs to just kill every <laughs> once in a while. Um, just give them lots of stuff to kill. I think this is a key as well. Big bosses, I don't know if they like that a lot. Hundreds of goblins. Things? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like slaughtering goblins? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, that sounded a little weird. Um, but also, trying to put them into situations where they can't kill to solve it, mm -hmm. that can also be kind of a, a, another way to kind of deal with that. Challenge them a bit. You know? Challenge them a bit, yeah. Let the, also let the other players use their strengths. Mm -hmm. Okay, Basher, cool. Next one. The specialist. Mm. This is the person who finds a way to play a ninja in whatever setting, whatever time, whatever system. They're the person who has an archetype that they have in mind that they love. Yeah, they're like, I'm playing Cloud from Final Fantasy in all the different RPGs. I don't care what the system is. I don't care what the genre is. I'm going to find a way to play Cloud. Yep. And you're like, but it's like, it's like a, a post-apocalyptic, like, shooter <laughs> RPG. It, doesn't matter. I have spiky blonde hair. What are you going to do about it? And a massive sword. <laughs> Come on. You can't fight me on this. <laughs> um, some people are not always, like, literally playing the anime character. Some people are. Literally. Yeah. But just the archetype. Yeah. They yeah. like it, and they always play it. Yeah. They, they, they don't care about anything else. They just want to be a samurai. Um, yeah. Their strengths... They know how to build a ninja in 95 different RPGs. <laughs> That's helpful sometimes, I'm sure. That's it's, how you it's a skill. Put that on your resume, for sure. <laughs> But no, they're very consistent with their characters. They know what they are yes, playing, yes, and they know the choices they're going to make, mm -hmm. and they often stick very closely to yeah. that. The best specialists, the people who um, are totally positive and are this archetype, are people who totally understand their character. Mm -hmm. They play really good, consistent characters um, because they've played them a hundred times before, mm -hmm. and because they care about this. Yeah, they really care about this this kind of archetype and stuff. Um, Often very invested in their character. Yeah, very invested in their character. Um, but this can become a problem when all they care about is doing the thing that they want to do with their character. Yeah. Um, they're not flexible. Um, they, they don't like venturing out of their comfort zone. Um, all that kind of stuff. How to deal with them? It's kind of like all the other classes that are like this. Classes. Archetypes. <laughs> uh, you know, give them their moments where they can... Have their cool moments as their ninja. Climb the yeah. buildings. Yeah. Throw yeah. the shitigans. Yeah. Reward them for being cons a, con a consistent character, for yep. sure. Give them their moments to shine, or they can play the character they want to and enjoy that, but also force them to 
differentiate themselves a bit, you know, make their character a bit unique. Yeah. Challenge them with that, yep. for sure. Um, and obviously, in the problematic side of a specialist, if they're just playing a character that just doesn't make sense in your thing and it's disrupting mm-hmm. the game, that's also a thing you have to address. Yeah. Okay, this final one. So, a contentious we, point. a little bit of a contentious <laughs> point. Um, yeah. Not even super sure if this is a super, like, archetype as much as the other ones. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a part of another, of some other archetypes you can have this kind of element. It's the PvPer. They care of, okay, well, like, it, it really depends. It's mm-hmm. kind of a spectrum. Me and Gabe talked a lot about this one. Um, on, can it be a positive thing? Is it always a negative thing? How, how, how this works. So go ahead and break down the PvPer real quick. I think the important thing here is to figure out how you define what the PvPer is. Yeah. My definition is that they're just the characters, the, the players, who want to have their characters, fight the other characters, they want to see who's strongest, they find that really fun, find a lot of enjoyment in fighting the other characters, you know, the rivalries that that forms, and just the battles itself. Yeah. Um... Once again, on the positive side of PvP, mm-hmm. create interesting rivalries between the things, cool character moments and stuff. Here's the thing. Being a good, you know, a p- positive having attributes of mm-hmm. PvP means that PvPing, you know, is fine or whatever. In in appropriate at yeah. the appropriate time yeah. in the appropriate place. Um the negative side of PvP, typically this is what you'll see more often. This is much easier, you know figure out who, who is a PvP in these mm-hmm. instances. Someone who is being disruptive. They're trying to force the other PCs to fight with them. They go out of their way to hit the other PCs, to ruin their plans and stuff, be a nuisance. Oh, man, is it rough. <laughs> we, we did kind of have a player back in our old campaign. They weren't in there for very long, but they kind of had these tendencies. They did it because it was funny or it was just disruptive. Um, it, it's a negative thing. It's it, it it is disruptive to, to the to the party. Mm. Quickly irritates the rest of the players, for sure. It's you're supposed to be a team. It's very irritating when someone is like trying to whack you and mess up your what you're trying to do mm-hmm. for the sake of it. So if you're someone who's sitting here like, oh, but I like fighting the other PCs, I think it's just important to keep in mind how much are you trying to do it. Mm-hmm. What situations are you trying to do it? Are you being Moderate, are you being considerate of the other players and thinking, when is it appropriate yeah. for me to figure out who is the yeah. strongest? Yeah. If it's your main objective in every session mm-hmm. to figure out who is the strongest, to fight all the other characters, that's going to cause problems very, very, no matter very, what. Very, very, very quickly, and it gets very annoying. Yeah, there's a time and place for a one-shot or whatever where everyone plays a cool 20th level character and you all fight against each other mm-hmm. and stuff. Awesome. That's when you can unleash... That's when you care about fighting your friends or whatever. Like, that's cool. Unleash that. But it, it can be very disruptive if they're just there to be a nuisance or just because they don't care. They're just trying to do it to be funny and stuff. Yeah. Quickly ruins the game. The people who are trying to take the game seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's the last archetype we have. Not a lot of people really talk about that one. Because also, it's, it's usually connected to one of the other mm-hmm. ones. Um, usually, a murder hobo might have PV... You know, kind of be a PvP or... Or, like, a storyteller actor... Or whatever might also kind of have be a PvPer because like that's their character and stuff. Mm-hmm. As I'm looking back over at all these archetypes, I think it's just important for everyone to remember that there's a spectrum, and every player is somewhere along a the spectrum. They're always. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 it's not funny. Uh, 
most people are a mix of two or more yeah. of these archetypes. Most people yeah. aren't 100% yeah. any of them. Mm -hmm. Like like personality tests and stuff. Yeah. Like you are of a course. blank. Usually you're not totally pigeonholed into that. Mm -hmm. um, just just for curiosity's sake, what would you say are like kind of your main ones? I think I am of? mainly a an optimizer, mm -hmm. role player. Yep. And Mm. I don't know. I touch in a lot of the other things. Like yeah. I enjoy dip your toes in a lot of other ones. <laughs> what? I enjoy the strategy. Yeah. Uh, I really care about the rules. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I like hitting things. <laughs> but I just, think mainly yeah. I'm an optimizer yeah. and a rural player. Um, for me, once again, I don't have a ton of experience being a player. I'm mostly a GM. Mm. But I would say optimizer just because I, I care about the rules. And at the same time, also rules lawyer in that regard. I do care about the rules. I like, I'm weird, in the sense that I like using the rules as a vessel of problem solving. It's fulfilling and satisfying to be able to mm. solve problems while still within these this, this structure and with these limitations. Mm. That's fulfilling. On the same, uh, at the same time, I like, I'm a big role player actor, character stuff, and, sometime, and that will sometimes trump the rules and things to, to be, to, you know, to, for a cool character moment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, super big storyteller tendencies. I am a GM. I am a storyteller. <laughs> That's kind of the point of being a GM. Um, so also storyteller tendencies. Basher, not at all. Don't care about stuff. Specialist, literally the opposite. I always <laughs> want to play a different... Yes. You as well. I always want to play a different, unique character I've never seen before. I've never, I've never tried before. Putting myself into a different mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really interested because I'm going to be starting a campaign here uh, in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I'm really interested to see your character and how you're going to be playing. Yeah. It's been a little bit. Uh, one thing, though, that I found is, you know, before campaigns, I really get into it. I write a big backstory. I do tons of research. Literally, for this character, for this <laughs> campaign, um, Gabe was like, hey, don't need to go too crazy. This light stuff, here's the information you need to have in your backstory. I was like, okay, cool. It took me seven hours. Um, <laughs> that's not, like, I didn't hate it. I, I loved it. I, was, I did all this kind of research and stuff. Um, and you can tell from my backstory, there's all these, uh, you know, yeah. specific nouns and stuff from all these different places and stuff that I researched. But um, it is a little hard for me, you know, even though I had this cool backstory and stuff, I don't know my character until I actually play them. Mm. I think that's something for you as well. Yeah. I, yeah. I can detail the character's backstory as much as I want, but I might they might be a little different kind of a character when I start playing them. Yeah, uh, I have this problem where I don't like to write long backstories right out the right out the gate, just because I don't want to commit to playing a character that I don't like. Yeah, and I don't get a good feel on it until I'm several sessions in, playing the character, figure out how I fit into the party, what my personality is. Mm. It, it's kind of role playing. It's kind of like the difference between outliners and discovery writers. Mm -hmm. if, if you're someone who writes uh, whatever you're writing, screen screenwriting or or books or whatever. Um, this is kind of a thing, right? Do you, are you someone who likes plotting out the whole book and following to the structure or just writing and seeing where it takes you and, and discovering the story as you write it? Um, you're, you know, you're much more of someone who likes to, you don't know who you, who your character is until you play them, until mm -hmm. you explore them. Uh, you like to develop them as you go along. Whereas me, I'm much more of a, a plotter person. I like to figure out my character, have a kind of a concept of their arc and stuff, <laughs> um, you know, establish their flaws and things at the beginning that they can overcome. Um, 
This is kind of getting off to a totally different topic, though. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so these are the character archetypes. Uh, also, other stuff we talked about. Shoot back over them really quickly here. Yes. Uh, so first, we talked about the power gamer and optimizer, the people who care about feeling powerful. Uh, then the role players and actors who care about carrying, uh, playing a consistent and realistic character with accents, performing, and all of that. And you have the casuals and lurkers who are more there to just have a fun time with friends and might not necessarily be as active in the world. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then we have the rules lawyers and purists, the people who care about the rules and following them to a T and figuring out how they can use them. And the realist, who cares about playing a realistic character with likewise game rules and setting, you know, the knights and armor with historical accurate weapons. Yeah, they, usually, <laughs> they usually push for uh, realistic encumbrance rules. Uh, <laughs> next is the tactician, the wargamer, people who, you know, care about the detailed battle plans and the strategy and the tactical things. The storyteller, someone who cares most about it being a good, fulfilling, satisfying story with epic moments. The basher, love killing stuff. Specialist, love playing a ninja. Um, <laughs> and then PvP to a lesser extent, Someone who, I don't say, like, likes fighting the other players, because that's not always what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes they're just, they don't find enough challenge or whatever with other monsters or whatever. They like to test their metal against the other kind of, like, PCs. Um, I think a good way of describing, like, the idea of a PvPer is it's not just necessarily about combat. It's more about comparing yourself to the other, to the other characters and yeah. figuring out who's the strongest. Yeah. Okay, so those are all the, the tabletop role-playing game archetypes that that we came up with that we've kind of detailed mm-hmm. hopefully whether you're a player or a gm you've learned something from this from this episode yeah uh yeah anything else you want to say uh just keep in mind what we were talking about with your strengths and weaknesses and work on figuring out how you can build your strengths and cover over your weaknesses and progress mm-hmm. as a character and if you're a gm figuring out how to accommodate that player and figuring out how to deal with you know the problems that arise with differing archetypes yeah and, and i think sometimes this may lead to just having a, a big gaming group discussion just being yeah. able to talk to each other about hey being like if everyone kind of comes out and is like hey this is kind of the way i play this kind of the way i see the game everyone can understand that they can explain how they see the game it'll make everyone so much more um i don't know what i'm looking what i'm looking for like lenient to the other players and not get pissed at them or anything because yeah. they play differently it's like dating having realistic expectations <laughs> is a really great place to start yes from. yes for sure um, and also as a DM or GM, whatever, you, you know, your, your gaming group better, better than we do. Um, you have to figure out, sometimes you may have to pull around, pull aside, uh, disruptive players, talk to them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Deal with that as well. All right. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? Uh, about these archetypes before we go to closing? Don't be a murder hobo. Don't be a murder hobo. Don't be disruptive. <laughs> uh, but enjoy yourself. Okay, that brings us to the end of today's episode. This was this was a little bit di- this was a little different, you know. Yeah. More more informative and stuff, but I, I think talk about a lot of things here. There's a lot of content to cover here, but I think it's important that we mm-hmm. talk about this. It's an important thing to deal with, and I'm glad we got through that. Yeah, because you know there's this other side of kind of role playing games and and stuff mm-hmm. um, that you do have to deal with, which is like the gaming group and the different ways people play. It's not yeah. all about like we don't just want to talk about like playing a ranger and what this is all about all this kind of yeah. stuff because i think this is a pretty big part of uh you know having gaming group and and having a game yeah interpersonal dynamics within the party with the gm are very important to how the game runs and it's just another thing to keep in mind 
Yeah, for sure. Um, if you have any questions or concerns or anything about this episode or mm-hmm. anything else, do you have a suggestion on another episode you want us to do? Uh, go ahead and uh, follow us, DM us on Instagram at d20 underscore academy. And once again, tell your friends uh, if, if they're, they would be kind of be into this kind of thing. Gabe, what is next week's episode? Next week's episode is going to be our next world building segment where we're going to talk about the history of the world and how to build that up. Oh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good one. A lot of fat juicy stuff <laughs> to a lot of fat juicy stuff to cover with history. Um, I really like the first world world building one we did. Yep. Um, I'm really excited to continue on the world building series. Um, but look out for that one next week. Uh, that one's going to be a lot of fun. Gonna be a doozy. Yeah. But other uh, other than that, thank you so much for listening to to this episode. Hopefully you learned something. Hopefully. This Got a good time. You. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and don't be a murder hobo. Don't be a murder hobo. Should we end every episode with that? Hey. And also, <laughs> don't be a murder hobo. And play a mystic. <laughs>